The Adam Crowley Show. What happened to Cooch? I don't know how many times I'm allowed to say Cooch before I get in trouble, so you're fine. I'm good? That's K-U-C-H. Yeah, nothing wrong with Cooch. No! Adam Crowley. Cooch be good. I love Cooch, in fact. On ESPN Pittsburgh. Tiger is charging. He's five under on 13, putting for birdie. I'm not legally allowed to do play-by-play, but I'm going to do it anyway. Because it's the Crowley Show. And who's going to stop me? Incidentally, J.R. Smith would have used a driver on the green. And Tiger lines it up. Six-footer. And he rims out! Oh, a total rim job for Tiger! Oh, no! A total rim job for Tiger Woods. Oh! Which he'd, you'd think he'd like. Oh, that hurt. He could have gone six under, four back from the lead. And now he's five back. Tom and I are running a victory lap in studio because, full disclosure, Tom and I want nothing more, nothing more than to see a Tiger win. We've been saying he's back for weeks. And he's coming closer and closer. We'll see how he finishes this tournament up. I'm going to go out on a limb right now. I'm going to say Tiger Woods never wins a major again. How about that? <laughs> oh, really going out on a limb. I heard Dulac say that yesterday. I heard Tom and Tom say it earlier in the week. It's like saying J.R. Smith's an idiot. I mean, that is the take right now that golf fanatics want to put out there. Tiger's not going to win another one. Okay. It's fine if you believe that. It's been a decade, but it's also Tiger Woods. And, yes, the competition is stiff. But it's Tiger Woods. He's going to win one, man. I hope so. He is. It's good for the game. Don't be haters. I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say that Tiger Woods is going to win a major. There you are. Yeah. That's a a bold take. How's that for a bold take? He's going to win one. Then he's going to win this tournament. The Memorial. Just to show Jack where he is. Like, hey, Jack. How you doing, buddy? I'm coming, buddy. I'm back. That four major league ain't enough. Man, chasing your majors, buddy. Out my way. Tiger, Tiger Woods, y'all. Tiger, early in his career, was as good of a closer as there was in the sport. On Sundays, drilling him. The Pirates don't have a good closer right now. Their closer is horrific. Felipe Rivero-Vasquez was supposed to be the sure thing, not in the Pirates' bullpen this year, but on the Pirates' entire pitching staff, and he is ass. That's not harsh. It's true. Felipe Vasquez Rivera, Rivera Vasquez, he deleted his Twitter account after last night because he gave up five runs in the ninth without recording it out. That's really hard to do. I know I could do that. I could. Suit me up. Let me wear the bucko uniform, I'll wear the cap, I'll wear it with pride, pride, passion, Pittsburgh Pirates, and I will make sure that I pitch an inning and don't get any outs and give a five run. I could do it. Because, spoiler alert, they were going to keep scoring if the game didn't end. If the Pirates were up 12, the Pirates are going to lose that game because they were going to keep scoring as long as he was on the mound. He doesn't have it right now. He had a 238 ERA. 
as Felipe Rivero. As Felipe Vasquez, he's got a 3.86 ERA. His ERA is up around five right now. Yikes! Yikes! So you go from thinking you've got one position for sure on your pitching staff solidified before the season, and now you go and come to realize that you don't have anything figured out. So what do you do from here? Is it Kyle Crick? Ugh. Is it Santana? Is it Richard Rodriguez? Is it Tyler Glass now? Ooh, 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 and ooh. Crick's pitched well, but he pitched the last two games, so it's not going to be him tonight, you wouldn't think. That might be the guy that I put in that role, but here's the problem. You're just shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic. If your closer sucks and you move up your eighth inning guy in Crick, who's been pitching well lately, well then, who's your eighth inning guy? Another guy that sucks. I don't think there's an answer on this Pirates team this year other than Felipe Vasquez Rivero figuring it the hell out. That's your best hope for if you're a Pirates fan. That's your best hope if you're Clint Hurdle. That's your best hope if you're Ray Sears. That's your best hope for the Buccos. If they want to be in contention at all, if they want to hang around and get in that second wild card spot, they need Felipe Rivero, Vasquez, whatever that bleep, to regain his form from last year, where he was stellar. Striking out a bajillion guys. He had been pitching out of jams this year. He's never looked right. Was awful on opening day. He just hasn't been the guy that they thought he would be. And that's disheartening because that's the guy they paid. <laughs> that's the funny part. It's disheartening and funny. That's the guy. Let's give him an extension. A trade call, trade cuts. Let's give Rivera the extension. Instead of trading a guy at his highest value, which is what you would have done with Vasquez, I'm okay that they kept him around, but that would have been my guy to trade if I was going to trade any guy. That being said, if it's Crick, if it's Glass now, whomever, you're still going to have a problem if Rivera's making the money he's making and not getting outs. Because he's still going to be in a high-leverage spot. They're still going to pitch him in the 7th or 8th. So I think the best course of action for the Pirates is let him figure it out. Maybe put him on the DL, let him breathe for a bit. And then you let him figure it out. You let him be the guy. He's got the pedigree. He can do it. Whereas Tyler Glass, now, for as good of his stuff is, I don't know if he's my guy. If Chad Cool comes out of the rotation at some point, is he your guy? Ivan Nova, if he comes out of the rotation, he's not the guy because his stuff's not good enough. What are you going to do? How are you going to remedy this? Yeah, you let him keep pitching. Let's go with the nihilistic side of things here. It doesn't matter. If he's not going to figure it out, it doesn't matter who gets put in. He's got to figure it out. If he doesn't, you're screwed. 412-922-2874. Worst teammate to have in sports. Head case goalie. Bad closer. Terrible field goal kicker. Or J.R. Smith. We'll leave JR out of it for now. What do you think is the worst? To me, if I'm a football player and we bust our ass for 60 minutes and I'm banging heads off of the defensive lineman in front of me and we've got a chip shot 25-yard field goal and that guy misses it, I'm going to murder his whole family. I'm going to butcher them. Might have an anger problem. But that's the one that pisses me off if I'm the teammate. Uh, Goalie... 
at least you know that they're always putting the work in. It's different work, but they're putting the work in. This is a topic on my Twitter poll, by the way, at underscore Adam Crowley. Stinky closer sucks, too. You're up 8-5. to five. Francisco Cervelli hits a bomb. You're feeling good about yourself. You're up by three going into the ninth with your closer. And he gives up five, doesn't record now. I mean, that hurts. They all hurt. They what all do, hurt. What do you think's the worst teammate? Stinky closer to me. Yeah. Because, I mean, throughout, again, full disclosure, I'm an Oriole fan. So throughout my life, that has just bit me in the ass more times than I can count. And when you have a, a horrible closer and your offense is going hot and you're looking good and then you get you get there and boom, 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 boom. It's, it's the worst. It really is. And you can't do anything about it. You can't. You start shuffling guys around. And if you count on that big-time closer, it doesn't matter what inning you pitch him in. You're counting on him to be able to get the high leverage out. And the Pirates don't have that right now. That's a bad one. Tom, you... I think the worst one is the the field goal kicker that can't make a field goal in the NFL. And, and out of the positions that you listed there, I, I don't think there's one that's more disrespected by its peers than the no. NFL kicker. Yeah. I mean, with a goalie, at least you understand that's probably the toughest position to guy. play in the you sport. All rally around As a closer yeah. in baseball, you get that there's a lot of leverage when it comes to these outs. Uh, when it comes to J.R. Smith, you know he's just an idiot, so you can't really help that. But with uh, NFL players, just think that kicking is the easiest thing in the world. They have no respect for kickers when they miss. Danny Smith, Steelers special teams coach, would disagree with me here, but the kicker's on an island. I mean, I know snaps got to get down, holds got to get down, but more times than not at the NFL level, those things are happening. It's almost like three teams in the NFL. You've got your offense, you've got your defense, and then there's that skinny dude over there who kicks the ball. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) There is no more out-of-place person in the world than a kicker on an SEC football team. Oh, boy. There is not a more out-of-place person. He's the white guy, right, with the long, wavy, blonde hair, and he's playing for Alabama, and there's a bunch of six foot twelve black dudes walking around him. <laughs> you don't belong here, pal. Yeah, more times than not, that guy's like an ex-soccer player. Yes. Which just adds injury to insult yes. if you're a football player. In the NFL, that's bad, too. That's a big difference. It's like you or me out there if I had thicker quads. But that is it. That's that's where the teammates get the most angry and because they feel like it's up to you. We've put you in this position. Now it's up to you. As for hockey, you're trying to block shots. You're playing defense. Guys are going to they're going to know that they were somewhat responsible. Uh, you don't see many goals go in from center ice. So we're talking about a defensive breakdown more times than not when a puck's getting through anyway. So to me, yeah, I go field goal kicker being the worst. What say you? Four one two nine two 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 eight seven. I'd say with the hockey goalie as well. Like you've always got a backup who's probably pretty fresh and ready to go. You know, so you can always pull and get out. You That's don't. A great you're point. not very deep on kickers. I mean, closers, <laughs> you're at the end, so you're all done. J.R. Smith, I mean, they already paid him. He's not going anywhere. Yeah, you know, the next guy's not is not as dumb, but he's not as good either. The bench ain't helping you in Cleveland. No, yeah, I mean, nothing you can do. Because, like, the starting four other than LeBron aren't helping you. <laughs> hey, Ocho single, ki- Cinco, kicker's down. You want to get out there? That's a, yeah, yeah that's give it a, a shot. Really, that's the worst place to be. Uh, side cool. note off of this poll is, like, if you can't start on the Cavs next to LeBron, how bad do you suck? Like, you're developmental league, right? You're dead stealing stuff. It's one thing if you're missing shots. It's another thing if you're just flat-out dumb. 
mental errors should not happen like that at that level. Plain and simple. It just shouldn't. I can see you missing a shot. Well, I mean, he missed a lot of them, but I can see you missing a shot. I can see you missing a rebound, maybe a dunk even. But like when the mental errors, those are things that you can control. Just pay attention to the one thing that matters in the game of basketball beyond anything else. The score compared to the clock. You got to know it. You do. I just want to go off on him again. Do you think that the, and this is something John Shambi just tweeted from ESPN. Do you think that the probability of winning that game was affected more by George Hill than J.R. Smith by missing the free throw? Well, uh, that's a good question. Because, yeah, because leading up to it, you wouldn't be in that position if it wasn't for George Hill. But, it, again, it's the NBA, so things happen and you're in that position, you should be on top. Who knows what JR does if the field goal's made, though? Or, pardon me, if the free throw's made, though. Is he, is he going to foul the guy? Is he going <laughs> to think it's a three-point game instead and he's going to foul him, put him at the line, yeah. and give him the lead? Or did he already walk to the locker room? <laughs> hey, yeah, it's over. We're good. Yeah, we're good. The hell. That was such a Havlicek moment, but without the win. Yes. <laughs> These things are all great if you win. Like, this is legendary on the other side and hilarious if they find a way to pull it out in overtime. Tom and I were talking, too, that both of us, like, I knew the score. I'm watching it. I know it's tied. But, like, I saw him running around like that. And, like, I mentally thought they had they were actually up, and I considered myself wrong. Because I'm just on my couch, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, they actually won? Oh, wait. No. No. What the hell? I don't like you guys talking whenever I'm not around. Feel like you're being mean. We're never mean to you, but cool kids club. We're like, we're like three brothers, three best friends that anyone could ever have. Cause we're the three best uh, friends that anybody yeah, could have. We're, we're the three best friends that anybody could have. Every time Crowley gets a little insen- or sensitive here, we have to sing this song. Sing friend song. It's unbelievable. Yeah, we know. <laughs> Mike DeCourcy, Sporting News. Coming up next, as you join us, the three best friends that anybody could have on the Crowley Show. ESP in Pittsburgh. There's a picture on Twitter of Matt Geico holding a beer, walking around the woods. And you know what? You should just check it out on Twitter, at Matt Gajka. We will have him on next week to discuss. He's got a PGA Tour Superstore koozie. That guy is getting effed up today. It's his brother's bachelor weekend. Nice. I was texting with him earlier on in the day, and I don't think Matt's a huge drinker. I think it's changing today. You know what's changed? The tide of the course of the NBA Finals with a couple of big moments at the end of the game yesterday. Joining us now to discuss is our friend Mike DeCourcy from Sporting News. Mike, thanks for coming on today. Oh, happy to do it, Adam. How are you? I'm delightful. Uh, I watched that game from start to finish last night. I don't do that normally with the NBA. I'm usually in and out, uh, but I was all in because it was that exciting. But the end of it did mar it a little bit for me. And I wonder for you, what stood out most at the end? Well, the thing that has to stand out most is uh, a professional player who's been in the game for around 15 years, somewhere in that ballpark. Not knowing what the what the score was, I mean that that it's incredible 
that that would happen in a game of that magnitude. But if he's aware of his circumstance at that point, all he has to do is at least make an attempt to get Kevin Garnett, excuse me, Kevin Durant, uh, off his feet and then perhaps either get fouled himself or, or, or wait until KD was on his way down and then try to finish a layup. Uh, he had lots of options there and he chose to try to kill the rest of the game, which he actually did very well. Yeah, he did nail that part. Had the score been what he thought it was, he did it perfectly. Oh, he did a great job with, with making sure that no one scored and he didn't get fouled. That was that was brilliant. Have you ever seen anything like that, forgetting basketball, but in the history of sports? I suppose Chris Webber's pretty close. I, actually, I think Chris Webber, I think it's much easier to lose track of uh, the number of timeouts than, <laughs> than, than the score because the score is right there. And it's also the most important thing, time and score. You know, I, I, I've heard... Some people bring up Nasir Robinson. I, I saw it on Twitter. Some people brought up Nasir Robinson and his foul uh, in the 2011 game against Matt Howard with uh, essentially no time left. Uh, that, that I think that would be very comparable uh, because if, in that case, because Gilbert Brown missed the second free throw, if, uh, if, um, if Nasir does not foul Howard, the game goes into overtime, and Pitt would have probably been favored at that point to finish off the win. Um, whereas last night with, with JR, with JR deciding to try to kill the end of the game, I mean, there wasn't any question from anybody that that game was going to the Warriors. Cleveland had pushed that hill, that rock as far up the hill as they could. And that's what's so frustrating if you're a LeBron James or a Cleveland fan. When you're in those games against that team, you've got to put it away. And that's not exactly a hot take. I'm not breaking any news there, but does this series wind up a short one because that first game got away. You know, I, I think we still have to see what happens when they get back to Cleveland. I, I, I suspect it'll be shorter than it might have been. I mean, I, obviously it'll be shorter than it would have been because uh, I don't think anybody would have expected the Cavs to sweep. Uh, so it, it, if they had been able to ring one up and force the Warriors, you know, take home court advantage away, which would have been enormous for Cleveland because they've been so much better uh, at home, the, the, look, LeBron's been great everywhere he's been in this playoffs. Uh, whether it's been at Toronto or Boston or Indiana or, or last night, he's been great everywhere. Or Cleveland as well. But the Cavs, the, the rest of the Cavs seem to play much better uh, when they're at home. They, they, they're not as much of a burden to LeBron as they are in the road games. Is this as bad a team as LeBron has taken there? No, the 2017 was by far worse. I mean, they, there was very little ability adjacent to him that year, uh, and in, in that, so when they got into the finals and were swept, I don't think anybody was remotely surprised. But it was a very poor team. Plus, LeBron at that point is he was great, but he wasn't anywhere near what he's become at this point. I mean, at this point, the, the, these seasons he's having and, and these, these playoffs he's having. Um, he is, I, I really believe, he's unsurpassed in the history of the game. Uh, there's never been a winning influence like him. Like he went out last night and scored 51 points like it was nothing. Uh, it, like it was routine, 51, and, and I think he had 8-8 eight eight or something like that. Uh, the, the kinds of things he's doing, uh, people have now become uh, just sort of immune to it, like it's what's expected. But this is, let's remember, this is, this is not what everybody, even the greatest players, have been able to do at this stage. Mike DeCourcy joining us here on the Crowley Show. When that really struck me, wasn't when LeBron's putting up the 50, 
But it's at the end whenever he's bickering with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson walks over, and Clay Thompson's a head taller than Steph. And then there's LeBron James towering over both of them, and he's hitting Jays throughout the game from three point land. And does it make a difference if a guy like Iguodala plays? I mean, does he slow him down enough now, uh, or is that time over now for Iguodala if he even is able to suit up in this series? Yeah, I think we'd have to see it. Um, that may be something that becomes a, an advantage for, for Golden State uh, as the series goes forward. But it's hard to imagine anybody slowing him down too much. Uh, he's become – I mean, he's cert- it's really more about – I mean, for instance, like yesterday late in the game, every time they set a screen for LeBron, they switched um, instead of trying to fight through it or, you know, try to fight off – or go under or whatever, they just switched every time. And so if that's what they're going to do, then it doesn't matter who the primary defender is because you still wind up with the defender you want on him. So I I don't think that really is that – I don't think it's that important. I think it's more about what Cleveland – excuse me, what uh, Golden State does with their tactics. How do you view the charge, not charge replay at the end of the game? Well, I think it, there's two questions there. The first question is, did they make the right call? And yeah, they did arrive at the right call in the end. But then there's the there's the idea of how replay is used. And I, you know, I, I I fell out of love with replay, and Pittsburgh fans will certainly appreciate this. Um, back in the twenty, excuse me, two thousand and four, uh, two thousand five, excuse me, season when Troy Palomalu made his interception against the Colts and then knocked the ball out of his own hands, and they went to replay and they said, well, it wasn't an interception. When it was clear live that it was an interception, it was clear on tape that it was an interception, they still got it wrong. And I'm like, look, if they go to the tape and they get it wrong, then why are they wasting my time? And we've seen that on many occasions. And in some cases, it's benefited Steelers, the Tyler Boyd deal a couple of years ago at the start of the year, and in others it hasn't. You can say it evens out, but they were already evening out without wasting our time and interrupting the game. So why not go back to not wasting our time and interrupting the game? But the NBA goes one better, and they what they do is they decide that replays are in force at the end of games, but not for the first 46 minutes. So they're telling you that the last two minutes of the game are more important than the first 46 well, first of all, that's a bad message to send to fans because you're basically telling don't telling them don't bother to turn it until late because it really doesn't matter uh, because the end is what really counts. That's not smart. And secondarily, it's it's illogical. The end of the game doesn't count anymore. I think it was a I think it was 107 to 107 at the end of regulation last night. Well, obviously that there were a lot of points scored in the first 46 minutes that mattered just as much in getting to that number as the one scored in the last two minutes. So it's illogical to be able to do that, let alone to also complicate it by saying, not just can we check where you are in relation to the no charge arc by going to the monitor in the last two minutes, but we can also relitigate the original call by deciding whether or not you were indeed in legal guarding position. It's a, it's a complete, uh, it's, it's just a complete cluster when you do all of that. And so even though they got the call right, I think they damaged their product by doing it. I couldn't agree more uh, with all of that. I thought that they got the call right, too. But 
really at, at what cost there. And that's what was so odd to me, Mike. Uh, you just described it perfectly. I get being able to review whether or not a guy's foot's in bounds or out of bounds. I understand being able to review whether your foot is in the restricted area, not in the restricted area. What I don't understand is then how they're able to review the call beyond that. Uh, I don't think that should be allowed at all. I, I don't understand why they wrote that into the rule book. But again, look at look at uh, the fouls that were called late in the uh, in the game or not called. Uh, there were, I think, there were at least two, and and some people on Twitter have tried to sell me on three um, that went against the Cavs down the stretch that were really bad calls and really obvious calls. And if you were allowed to challenge those calls or something like that, they would have been overturned and advantaged the Cavaliers instead of the Gold, instead of the Golden State Warriors. And I just so why why are those plays any less important? than whether or not Kevin Durant charged into LeBron James or LeBron James blocked Kevin Durant. I don't, they weren't. It's only a two point play in all of those circumstances. So why is the one late supposed to be more important? Mike DeCourcy joining us here on the Crowley show. So you're, are you more on board with being able to challenge calls at different points in the game or just saying, screw you to replay altogether? Oh, I'd rather, I'd rather all sports get rid of all replay. I'd ra- every every last one of them get rid of it all because it doesn't because it's not infallible. I mean, we saw that with the Penguins, uh, the the puck that was tucked inside the 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 post that that wasn't seen, um, and so it, it didn't go as a full call for the Penguins. And it, and and it, and they and, and and replay is supposed to get that right, and they still got it wrong. And so that if, if you're not going to make it better, at least allow us to get to our dinner on time. Is kind of my philosophy, uh, Mike. As a guy who is from Pittsburgh and uh, a hockey guy, uh, someone who enjoys the sport, uh, as you referenced there, how do you think the playoffs compare? Uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs, the NBA playoffs, and do you think it's bad that the Golden State Warriors and Cleveland are meeting for four straight years? You know, this is this is. I, I think it's not necessarily the best thing for the NBA because. Uh, you know, it, 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 it probably gets a better number in the end um, than, 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 say, I don't know, just, uh, let's say, uh, Toronto against uh, San Antonio would have. Right. It, 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 so from that standpoint, it's, it's fine for the NBA's business because you got the biggest star in the game and the, and the best team. But in, in, in the other 29, 28 markets in the NBA, how do you feel about that? I mean, your team doesn't really have that great a chance to win a championship. As a fan, and, and partly as a Pittsburgh fan, um, you know, I want my team to be in it. And I'm used to my team being in it most of the time. And I don't think I can adjust very well to it not being in it. And, and so, I, you know, I don't know that I could be a, a big-time fan of the Memphis Grizzlies or, uh, let's say, uh, um, the Charlotte uh, Hornets. I think I would, I would struggle with that. I mean, they're not, they're not close. And so I don't really know exactly what the point is if you don't have any chance at all. Yeah, I I agree with that. And the hard thing is, I don't know how you try to get that changed. LeBron James is LeBron James. Wherever he goes, it just seems like they're going to get to the championship. It's happened eight years in a row. So you kind of already know what one half of the bracket's going to be, and that might be the case until he's gone. You know, I, I think the way, the one way you change it is to have, uh, you know, a harder salary cap, and then it makes it yeah. a challenge. I mean, we saw in, in the NHL what how, how much Chicago struggled with that. 
Pittsburgh's been really good at it. Part of that has been, to a, to a great degree, Sidney Crosby's generosity. Um, if you want, I think that's the best way to put it. Is you know, he hasn't forced them to give him the most money they can possibly give. And in, in, in a lot of ways, I mean, uh, you know, he'd be worth a third of the salary cap. Uh, Gino would be worth another third, and then you divide, you know, carve up the other third among everybody else if you wanted to. I mean, um, it, so it, part of it has been that, and part of it has been, you know, the idea of, you know, of really being smart with how you manage the money. And that's kept the, the Penguins uh, very relevant. But even at that, I think that um, I think that the cap probably helped uh, get them beat this year in some ways. Uh, you know, you had to make a decision on the goalies. If you could stack up guys, you just say, "Hey, you guys, fight it out amongst yourselves. We'll pay you, and 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 we'll and we'll have the you know the, the best goalkeeping in NHL history." Mike, really appreciate your time, man. I love the stuff, and hopefully, we get a chance to do it again soon. Always a pleasure, Adam, anytime. Mike DeCourcy, Sporting News. Good stuff there from him. 412-922-2874 is the number. We've been asking people all day long if they've got moments in their lives that compare to what J.R. Smith did last night or if there are any other examples that they can remember in sports. Chris Weber's come up a bunch. Uh, Doug and Wheeling's got one for us now on the Crowley Show. What's up, Doug? How you doing, man? Good. Hey, how's I was uh, wondering if anybody remembered uh, the great Donovan McNabb of Philadelphia. Yes. Uh, he didn't know the rules to the game as far as overtime. They could have stopped the clock, kicked the field goal, won the game. As I recall, it was a pretty short distance. He let the clock run out, and he thought there was more overtime. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> that was awful. Donovan McNabb got skewered in Philadelphia for that, and then he threw up in the huddle during the Super Bowl. Oh, those are some bad moments for one Donovan McNabb. That's a good one, Doug. Appreciate the call, man. A four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. You'll have another few moments to get in on that topic. Here's a pet peeve with callers. Let's let's start something new here. We love you, callers. Keep calling in. Interact with us. Be our friends, snowflakes. We need you. But everyone asks me how I'm doing. I say I'm good, and then they don't care how I'm doing. I tell them I'm good. They don't say anything. Doug didn't care about my well-being. He said, how are you? I said, good. He didn't respond. You're clearly all right because you're on the air. You're here. You're not, like, whining in pain or anything. So things are decent. Then why even ask? How about that? That is then the critique. Don't ask me how I am. Just assume I'm good. Yeah. Love you, Doug. You made it to work. Thanks for the call. Yeah, I guess it should be nice to the few callers that we do have. Yeah. Doug, I hope you're having a nice day. I love you, Doug. Love you a lot, man. Doug, Dougie, Doug, and Doug, Doug. Coming up next, <laughs> after a Jerry Dulac Seven Springs golf update, we've got other crap, three stars of the show, hottest take of the day, and the stars of the week montage. Jam-packed final segment. It's ESPN Pittsburgh. Gonna be a hell of a weekend. Stanley Cup final game number three tomorrow. NBA finals game number two on Sunday. And a whole lot of drinking weather, I'm thinking. And what will I be doing? Chores around the house all day tomorrow. (laughs) I got so many projects that we haven't finished. (laughs) We had a stump that got 
put there after a tree was cut down in our front yard. They grounded it down, and I removed all of it, and I got to plant grass there. Got to trim the bushes. And the hedges. In my backyard. And the front yard. Keep it clean on both sides. I thought we were supposed to be talking about the yard work I had to get done. I also have to finish the kitchen, which we still have not done. There's a one piece of tile that we haven't put up. One piece of tile? One piece of tile. Well, it's such a pain in the ass to cut, and you got to get the wet saw over, and I don't own a wet saw. My dad has the wet saw, and I don't know if my dad wants to help with the wet saw, so maybe my father-in-law has to use the wet saw that my father provides so he can use that to cut the tile. It's a whole thing. I think that might be it, though. Oh, yeah, clean the garage. But it'll be fun for everyone else. So this is all you. Wife not involved. Uh, maybe directing. Right. No, she'll be involved as well. Her grandparents are coming over, oh, and boy. the rest of the rest of the Mahalco side. It's a whole thing, huh? Yeah, the in-laws will be over. It'll be good, though. I love them all. I just won't be able to watch hockey, and maybe not basketball. It's your job, man. You have to. It's my job, and I have to. It works on my taxes. Yeah. It should work with them. Yeah. It's time for the hottest take of the day. <laughs> Is J.R. Smith too smart? Did LeBron say, hey, J.R., we ain't going to win this series anyhow. If you act a fool enough, people aren't going to blame me and burn jerseys in Cleveland this time. <laughs> So did LeBron tell JR, hey man, just F it up and we'll be good from there? And JR took it away? I think he might have. In fact, he did. Sources deep within the Cleveland Cavaliers organization are telling me that this is what has happened. It's the only explanation. It's the only thing that makes sense. Nothing else does. He did it for LeBron. It's either that or he did it for sports gambling. Did he point shape? Oh, no. Spread still wound up not being covered. I think they were 13-point favorites, so maybe not. Why do it at the end of the game, then? But for the straight-up pick'ems, maybe he did. Those are two hot takes. <laughs> Suck on them. Other crap. Woo! Other crap. J.R. Smith. <laughs> Other crap. Did you see that the White House called for Samantha B's show to be canceled? She must have gotten a lot of negative buzz. Other crap. That's got a sting. Other crap. Be smarter. Other crap. Do you think when they called her, they said, Honey, your show's canceled. Woo! Other crap. Roseanne got barred. Woo! Other crap. Russell Wilson and Ciara bought into a group to get an MLB team to Portland. Nice of them to look towards the future. Woo! Other crap. They are real trailblazers. Woo! Other crap. WVU has started a Heisman campaign for Will Greer. He's got a will to win. Woo! Other crap. A will to learn. 
Woo! Other crap. A will to lead. Woo! Other crap. Will you shut up? Woo! Other crap. It's been 446 days since Pitt basketball in a conference game. 446 again? A will to lead! Will you shut up? It's time for the three stars of the show. Third star. Tonight's third star of the show, Mike DeCourcy! Actually, I think Chris Webber, I think it's much easier to lose track of uh, the number of timeouts than, <laughs> than, than the score, because the score is right there. And it's also the most important thing, time and score. Second star. <laughs> Tonight's second star of the show, Josh Yohe! I remember after the first cup in 16, I think it was, yeah. I was out in Vegas for the NHL Awards. It was literally 115 degrees that day, and I was on the phone with Rutherford, and I said, what are you doing today? He said, I'm going golfing. I said, Jim, you're 68 years old. It's 115 degrees. What the hell are you doing? And he said, trust me, I know, but Sully wants to go golfing, so we're going golfing. <laughs> that, that kind of epitomizes the relationship. What Sully wants, Sully usually gets, I find. First star. And tonight's first star of the show, Stephen A. Smith! Stay off the weed! It's stay off the weed! And you can't stay off the weed! He ain't getting busted for using weed! Stays off <laughs> the weed. You couldn't stay off the weed! Stay off the damn weed! And they don't listen! Let the dogs out! Short week! I'm all jammed up to do some yard work and watch puck and ball! Coming up now, the Stars of the Week montage. Peace out, bitches. but then he couldn't finish the job. I had a tremendous amount of respect for LeBron and the effort that he, you know, the effort that he puts forth on a nightly basis. He never, ever mails it in. If I gave you seven jelly beans, oh my God, what? And you ate all of them. Yeah. Jelly beans? Just listen. And only two of them tasted good. Okay. Would you say that the jelly beans were good? No. Those jelly beans were fine. That's not even where, where do you draw the analogy between the jelly beans and the seven-game NBA series? Madden said you have to teach proper technique. He has to get out further. For instance, the catcher could have dug a trench and positioned himself inside to further defend his position. I don't think Wilson went over there to do anything but obliterate Jonathan Marchessault. That was his sole intention. I, I miss you, Adam. I mean, this is what I miss is, is your, your highbrow um, brand of show that within 58 seconds of me being on the phone line, I heard, 
about taking kielbasa and about you and Scott throw pooping. And I know both you and Scott. Now I have a terrible, a lot of images all over my head right now. I had a friend who was getting bullied. And one day it was like one of those old western showdowns where each guy walks down the old lane, a tumbleweed goes by, it's a ghost town, and my friend just getting the snot beat out of it. So what do I do? I pulled him off and I punched him in the dome. O'Doyle rules. Ryan Reeves doesn't get to second base very often. But when he does, he always finishes the job. Adam, Adam, I could go on the air right now. I could on the on your radio show, which is listened to by literally millions and millions yes. of people daily if you count the online streaming. By the way, great spe- speaking of streaming, great streaming from Tom and your TV today. That was that was stellar. That's the sign of a good young prostate. <gasps> I stick by my parents. Parents, I think they have a good team. They're a young. Young team, they all get along, they go out together, and they stick up for one another, and I think they're terrific. Anthony Rizzo always goes to third base with his legs in the air, baby. You have to teach proper technique. Tom Wilson believes going for home can only happen from behind. The catcher could have dug a trench and positioned himself inside. From behind. My whole life until about my mid-20s, I was staunchly opposed. To go to anywhere but home. Stay off the weed.